0: Welcome to No BS Engineering, the podcast for developers around the world who care about their careers. Join us as we share ideas, war stories, and talk with special guests about how developers can up their game and move their career forward.
1: everyone uh welcome to another episode of the no BS engineering podcast the show for career development and self-improvement for software engineering professionals and everyone else in it who really want to kickstart their career to the next level and learn some invaluable hacks for their own professional improvement i'm here with my co-host cal evans say hi cal hey, today's focus is farther from technology but just as applicable to the broad technical community when you think of it this is actually the second part of our burnout series uh, and make sure and watch and listen to the first part with Adam Cope that we just released last week. Uh, and we are continuing the series due to so much more interest from pretty much everyone else that we are talking with in the community and more importantly, the scarce number of resources available for uh, everyone who wanna really improve upon their own mental health. Burnouts are more and more common uh, That. And unfortunately, the vagueness of the software development process itself doesn't help either. We don't really have any specific guideline, a book for software engineering, what exactly we're supposed to do, how long we're supposed to be doing that. And we keep talking about things like the 10x developers and everyone else who's just kicking ass out there, uh, which, again, is making it a very competitive job in the first place and and, and the place it's really hard to, again, compete with and stay up to date uh meaning that folks who are more introvert folks who are suffering from the so-called imposter syndrome are that much more prone to actually suffering from burnout as well so again this uh episode this time joe ferguson is going to share uh his own thoughts on burnout and his own experience for those of you who don't know him he's a development veteran and a recognized expert in multiple open source communities php being one of the the reputable ones. uh he's um an expert public speaker who is known for uh, his especially wonderful talks on different topics. But one of the specific reasons that we actually picked him for this episode is his um, interest in mental health in the first place. And he's uh, uh, kind of him digging that much more deeper into mental health and burnout. And uh, he's a mental health advocate, speaking of this, discussing the consequence of work overload, impact and software engineering in one's career which is why I'm so much interested in actually listening uh, firsthand, how does mental health uh, come into play in a software engineer's world? And to kick this off, Joe, you recently gave a talk on CodeCris, I believe, 2019, named open, source, open sourcing mental health. Was that right?
2: Yeah, that was uh, an updated version of what I call my mental health talk, uh, which I shamelessly stole from Ed Finkler because he, gave, he gives a much better version of it. Um, It just turns out my story isn't as interesting as his, so I'm going to give you my uninteresting or not really as interesting story. So you just have to suffer through it now. Sorry. Uh, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, this talk is essentially um, me getting on stage and being very, very vulnerable, talking about a lot of the issues that I've had, um, and specifically around mental health and burnout. And how I kind of went to my first PHP conference and discovered I had mental health issues. Uh, My first conference, or my first PHP conference was uh, PHP Tech in 2014 in Chicago. And one of the uh, uh, nightly events uh, on, after all the talks were done during the day, one of the evening events was a panel on mental health and tech. And Ed Finkler was there, Ben Marks spoke, uh, Patty Ferran, and there's always one more that uh, I believe it was Greg Boggs, but I could be wrong on that. Um, and I, it was standing room only. I was actually outside of the ballroom because there were so many people in there, uh, listening to these, these people talk about their mental health struggles. And, uh, Ed got up to talk and it just blew my mind. Like everything Ed was talking about, I felt like I had, I'd experienced that in my life or I had dealt with that in some form or fashion. And, Uh, that talk probably is the most important talk I've ever seen at a conference because it it literally changed my life. It it gave me so much to think about. I went home after that conference and told the wife about it. And uh, the wife and I, it it opened up a a huge conversation between the wife and I because the wife has been telling me that I had mental health issues for a while and I just didn't want to hear it. And it's one of those things where you're not going to get help or you're not going to know things are so bad that you need to get help on your own normally. Um, I gained a ton of self-awareness through, uh, through medication, through SSRIs and the other common medication that you get, uh, prescribed for, uh, anxiety issues and depression. And, uh, that helped a lot for me with the, the awareness, like right after I started taking meds, once I got adjusted to them, uh, I was able to experience what would have previously have been a big trigger for me. Like uh, using mass transit in a city that I wasn't un- that I was unfamiliar with, or going to a place that I didn't know how things worked. Like I didn't know the uh, the policy and procedure on how do you go get your food at this restaurant? Do they bring it to you as a table service? What you know, all that sort of thing. All of those silly things, and that's ultimately what mental health and anxiety a lot of the times burn uh, boils down to is it's a lot of small things because anxiety and panic attacks can be described essentially as your body triggering the fight or flight response at an inappropriate time and the fight or flight response is how you as a human will protect yourself by either standing your ground and fighting or running away. Uh, in in a, a, a good example of when this happens is if you're camping out in the forest and a bear shows up your body says I either need to fight for my life or run away and I hope you run away. So just, you know, unless it's a very small bear, but you should definitely run away from a bear. But at a inopportune time or a a inappropriate time to have one of these uh, uh, fight or flight situations is when you're pumping gas at a gas station uh, or when you're going to the grocery store Uh and somebody does something that you didn't expect and you have to change what you were doing or go a different way. And it's just all of, it's just this mass confusion. Like so many things are going through your head at one time and your your body is just like, I've got to get out of here right now. And it's, for me, going to the grocery store was one of those big triggers. And I was always, I always went to the grocery store with the wife, and it was always miserable. We always had terrible times going to the grocery store. And then when I stopped going to the grocery store, she started having a lot better time going to the grocery <laughs> store. So imagine that. Uh, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of visibility you can see there, especially if you have a significant other or partner that you live with that is able to recognize your behaviors. But Uh, yeah a a lot of it just comes down to being able to recognize when you're having issues and be ready to get help because a a big surprise for me was when I finally was ready to talk to a professional about my my mental health issues I went to my GP and uh, we've got through all the physical stuff and he said so what else is going on and I was like well I've been suffering, I think I've been having a lot of mental health issues, and I feel like I've had some depression and some anxiety issues, and it feels like I I can't function. And he was like, well, are you ready to do something about it today? And that was probably the most important question any doctor has ever asked me, because I I instinctively said yes, and didn't give my brain the time to doubt itself or my body the chance to run away. It's just, yes, I want help. What can we do? And that's when we decided to start medication for me. And it, it helped a lot. Now, I'm not a doctor. I, 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 I don't pretend to be. I don't play one on TV. I didn't sleep at a uh, holiday inn last night or anything like that. But so, so take anything I say with a grain of salt. I'm not a medical professional, but I am someone who suffers from mental health issues. And I have seen a lot of people in the tech community specifically suffering from this. And That is why I want to speak about it and want to share my experiences and my knowledge and background on it to make it more normal, make it not this very anti or this very nasty stigma around talking about mental health. It's just as important as talking about our physical health and physical well-being, and it's, it's just one of those things that as developers we should be talking about.
0: Knowing is cool. Sharing knowledge is even cooler. In my book, Uncle Cal's Career Advice for Developers, I share with you five of the most important pieces of career advice I've learned. Get your copy today by pointing a browser at bit.ly unclecal. I want to share this knowledge with you. brought up a couple of things. I'm going to loop Adam in here in just a second, but I got two, two really quick um, anecdotes. The first is um, I was at a conference uh, two or three years ago, and we were at the speaker's dinner, and I got up to leave, and I noticed that this other friend of mine got up to leave at the same time, and I headed out the door. We had to walk back to the hotel, and this person said, hey, can I walk with you? I, sure you know we're friends and we we sat there and um, shot the breeze as we walked back and at some point this person um, confided in me that they suffer from anxiety about being in cities that they're not comfortable in they don't know and this person did not want to try to navigate back to the hotel even though you know in my mind it's a freaking straight shot, you know? You go up here, you take a left, boom, you're at the hotel. They didn't wanna have to deal with that. And that's when it began to hit me that, you know, we're not all wired the same, you know? And um, while there is a distribution graph and a lot of us fall right there in the middle and we like to call that normal, that doesn't mean that all of us are exactly the same. And this started percolating my mind, like I said, this two or three years ago and it started um, rolling around in my head. I really have a trouble with things not going on schedule. Um, Everything from if I set a meeting at this time, I need everybody to be there at this time. Um, And all the way up to, you know, if I'm speaking at a conference and I'm supposed to take the stage at 9 a.m., if the host of the conference is still talking at 9.05, I'm now levitating off the floor. You know, I'm just, I'm like that. i I'm just get nervous until, because it's not on schedule. And um, most people, I, I'm, I'm 99.999% of you have never seen me freak out. But I have actually, uh, Kathy's seen me a couple of times where um, things did not go as planned, and I literally just melted down, and um, to the point where I had to apologize to her later uh, because we were—I you know, was just ashamed of how I was acting. But I, I realize it's—it's it's come to me over the past couple of years that that's okay. You know, that's—that's that's the way I am, and I have learned to control that. I've learned to put myself into situations where I—I I have a little flexibility. I've learned to pad my schedule a whole lot, and. I am working desperately on just calming down, and it's going to happen. I'm, you know, I, I'm going to hit the stage. I'm going to give my talk. I'm going to. Uh, we're going to make the reservation. The meeting's going to happen. Just calm down, and I'm working on my own mental state, trying to, um, trying to control my breathing and control my anxiety on it, and and that's really starting to pay off. And Kathy can actually see that. But, Adam, you know, in the last episode, you talked a lot about anxiety as well. Uh, talk to us a little more.
3: yeah, so the thing is is uh, you know as as you were eluding Cal, and, and as, as Joe was talking, you know anxiety is not rational We, we are not rational human beings when we 're going through anxiety. We are not rational human beings when we 're going through an anxiety attack i can 't tell you how many times I was in my car and have an anxiety attack and, and I'm, I'm flashing my lights and beeping my horn and going through red lights and going through intersections that I should not even be entering, let alone going through without paying attention to the light changing. I, you know, I'm fortunate that I've not had any, any bad repercussions from that back, back then. I mean, now I've got things under control, but, um, but at one point, it's just not rational. You just don't, you don't behave like a rational human being. Anxiety has got you. Um, kind of a segue. As many of you know, I do long-distance ultra running, mm-hmm. and and, uh, and and you might say, well, what's that? How's that going to come come back as a good example? But the thing is, is I run. I'm, I'm trying to run 100 miles in a 24-hour time period. Now, that is not something that your body rationally can deal with, right? So, oftentimes, once you hit 50, 60, 70, 80 miles, your brain literally tells your body that it is breaking, that it's, it's, the world is ending. Things are about to happen terribly. The hardest part about running those kinds of miles is not the miles themselves, because you can train your body to run 100 miles or more. It's not that big of a deal if you do it repetitiously. The problem with running those kinds of miles is learning how to overcome your brain, telling your body to stop. And telling your, and coming up with any excuse that it can think of to tell your body to stop. I mean, it, your brain manifests pains and manifests issues to stop you. And that is, that emphasizes the strength of what our brain can do. And on anxiety, it is exactly the same thing. Your brain will manifest things and make it seem like the world is about to end and you have to stop whatever you're doing right now um and so so it's a very powerful thing now that being said it doesn't matter if you're driving through an intersection it doesn't matter if you're on your way to the store it doesn't matter if you're sitting at your desk programming some code it doesn't matter if you're trying you know if you're in this in the middle of a breakdown where you've got vital production services down and you've got to reboot servers and figure out what the issue is you know, if anxiety kicks in, you are not going to be doing those things, right? Because it's not rational. Mm-hmm. You are going to be stopping. So it can very much affect your job. It can very much affect your day-to-day life. Uh, Cal, you have a, you have a, a wonderful wife, Kathy, who is forgiving when when you when you snapped, and I can only imagine. But um, <laughs> but the thing is is. You know we have loved ones around us that forgive us but the thing is is it's not rational it's not it, it is things that make us behave in in very negative very terrible ways and um and so, so it can be bad
1: <laughs> it can yeah yeah well, most and- definitely and Kel, sorry for interrupting you, about uh, something that i just observed and i found very interesting is uh pretty much everyone here mentioned uh you know significant others in that conversation of mental health and one thing that's extremely curious here is that we have all received advice from people close to us, be it our uh, wives or the significant others, or um, you know maybe closest friends or, or parents. But whenever you have a close connection with someone, uh, people are prone to be defensive when it comes to something as personal as mental health. Mm-hmm. And it, like, if you want to help someone around you with uh, mental health or something else and if they're close to you odds are they are going to wrap around their own uh shell and they are going to push you back because this is a this is an intimate issue this is something that people are ashamed of it's something that people are worried about this is uh this even something that people are uh, afraid of when it comes to to mental health and i have a cousin who's dealing with um with some anxiety attacks now and he also has um, like he, he, he just has fear of death and, you know, everything is going to come to an end and things like that. And, and he's in the military and, and just like, I, you know, I asked him, well, can you just turn to your, you know, senior officers and everyone else out there? Because it's a normal thing. We all know how veterans are working and whatnot. And he said, well, no, because I'm afraid of my job. I've been there for what, 20 years or so. And if he shows himself as vulnerable in that type of, of a job, this isn't really going to help him at the end of the day, and um, and 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 yeah, I mean, like it, it, it's really it's a paradox of sort because we should be able to turn to our closest people, we should be able to be talk openly about that, but nevertheless, it's not really as possible, and that's why I want to thank you guys for for actually talking openly about that because I've seen better results from people who attend conferences and listen to podcasts and read books or watch YouTube videos on that type of sensitive topics because it doesn't seem personal to them. They can relate with it, but it doesn't feel like they are getting attacked on this topic. And that's why I'm so grateful for you talking about this openly in the public
3: yeah uh, to that end, I mean, uh, you hit on a great point there, Mario, which is uh, our our friends, our families, they often notice these things before we do, right mm-hmm. um, you know I remember when i was when I was working as an area manager before I became a regional manager, one of our contractors, um, you know i was I was snapping at him and, and I mean, I really snapped at him. I was mean and nasty to the man, but he was a very loving person and a very great great person I, and I come to respect him till this day. But he approached me, he said, uh, he said, do you realize you have a problem? And, and I said, "What? what do you mean? You know, and he said, well, you're, you're as you're talking, as you're going through your day to day, you're really jerky, your emotions are really jerky, you're shrugging your shoulders, trying to fix your un, uncomfortable shirt, and you're doing a lot of these involuntary motions that you just don't realize you're doing. And he says, that's anxiety. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and at that point now, I already had anxiety attacks prior to that. So it wasn't a new thing to me, but it was new to me that other people could observe these these uh, things. And, yeah. and even today, my wife does the same thing. She'll tell me, we'll be sitting in a movie theater or, or we'll be going to bed at night and I'm constantly fixing the sheets before I finally fall asleep because I can't get them quite in the comfortable place. And, and my wife will say, stop. You know your anxiety is getting the best of you you're 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 no longer fitting in your clothes well you're no longer uh you know i can't sleep because you keep moving the, the sheets and so it's these little involuntary things that we don't necessarily see that we're doing over and over and over again but other people do see them and if you have a, mm-hmm. a you know my my loving wife she's uh she's very patient with me on these things she's like you know hey i'm seeing some red flags just so you know <laughs>
2: Yep, yep. Hey, Joe, since you brought us in, why don't you give us the last word? So the best thing I think anybody can do uh, when thinking about burnout, especially if you're a manager, is uh, in the U.S. and Canada and in parts of Europe, there is a program called Mental Health First Aid. It is an eight-hour certification class that you can go take. It is exactly what it sounds like. It is uh, preparing you and giving you the tools to manage a potential uh, mental health emergency. Uh, just like first aid, and first uh, first responders are taught first aid and triage uh, tools and 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 things to do. Mental health first aid is a huge thing uh, that you can do. It helps you be aware of others around you, be be able to spot people who may be in crisis, be able to triage a a situation, to be able to deescalate it if some if you find somebody that is in uh, is uh, in chaos or. Uh, having an episode or anything, Uh, it doesn't give you the tools to go prescribe medication. It doesn't make you a doctor. It doesn't do any of those things. It doesn't make you... Uh, you know, somebody, you know, you you don't go up to somebody and say, stop being crazy. Uh, that, that, that doesn't, that never goes well. Uh, Mm -hmm. that, that turns out. Uh, but it it does give you a lot of appreciation for what people go through, especially if you don't suffer from any mental mental health issues. You don't have to be a mental health, uh, sufferer or issue. You don't have to have mental health issues to be able to help people who, uh, or just be cognizant of people who may. Uh, so yeah, that's my, the, the, if everybody would go do that, or also you can also help contribute to the open sourcing mental illness, uh, organization by going and taking our 2019 mental health and tech survey. It's mm-hmm. about a 30 minute survey. It gives us lots of really valuable data at the end of the year. We open source all of these, uh, results, uh, completely free under creative commons licensing. So people can go analyze our data. Excellent. Hey, Joe, I want to
0: thank you for um, being a part of No BS Engineering here today. Um, Adam had to drop off. He's got another commitment. But Adam, uh, if you're listening, I really appreciate your input. And um, I really appreciate both of you stepping up and sharing your story because um, I, I know that's, that, that's difficult um, for for a lot of us to, to open up and share. So I really appreciate that. Hey, audience, thank you for being with us here for this uh, special episode of No BS Engineering. If you like us, we really appreciate it if you'd go out to iTunes and um, give us a rating. If you like what we're doing, give us a five-star rating, leave us a comment. Let us know, though. You can find us on Twitter, no BS Engineering. Um, most of you know my email address, cal at com. Drop me an email. Drop me a tweet. Let me know what topics you want to talk about, about developer career advice, because uh, Mario and I have been around the block a few times. We would love to share our experiences with you. So until next week, we'll talk to you later. Thank you for joining us for NoBS Engineering. And we're out okay awesome job joe thank you so much mario i will cut this and um the audio will go out uh tomorrow uh, nice i'll time. drop it and get back on schedule for next tuesday
1: absolutely thanks again joe for thanks, thanks
0: you guys and, appreciate and it
1: much appreciate it yeah. have a thank good bye. bye-bye, bye-bye.